Thank you all for joining me so late in the day. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I know it's already been uh, a long reinvent and no doubt uh, a long day for everybody involved. In case you're wondering where you are and if you're in the right spot, we're here to learn about how to save up to 90% and run production workloads on spot instances. My name is Boyd McGeeky. I'm a senior product manager in the EC2 team focused on spot instances. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, my accent is from Australia, so hopefully that allows you to focus on the presentation for the next 45 odd minutes. Some sort of sick joke they made the Australian present during the pub crawl. Um, <laughs> so we have a relatively uh, packed agenda to get through. Uh, we're going to start with a crash course, the fundamentals on spot. Uh, then we're going to move on to how to sort of characterize your workload and understand is it correct for spot? And if it is correct for spot, how should we think about using spot effectively uh, for my workload? And then finally, we're going to go on to talking about two of the most common workloads we've seen people adopt uh, spot for uh, and go through how those customers are actually successful in using spot as a component or as all uh, of their production uh, sort of infrastructure for that service. So without further ado, we'll get stuck in. So I'm the product manager for Spot. Uh, I love it. And hopefully, I'm going to convince you that there are far more use cases for Spot uh, than you might have otherwise considered. But I want to start out by potentially pointing out the obvious. It's not going to solve all of your issues. It's not going to be the place where you run absolutely everything. Right? We have other business models and, and multiple business models. And they've all got a place. It's all about sort of having a balanced meal. Uh, so there's on-demand. You know, on-demand, almost everybody gets started using EC2 using on-demand. You pay by the second. Um, once you get the instance, we're never going to take it off you. Uh, you have the instance for as long as you want. It's fantastic for spiky workloads uh, when you're just getting started, when, maybe when you're developing a brand new application. Um, it's a really useful place to get started. And then you've got reserved instances. Reserved instances uh, are a fantastic way to save a significant amount of money over the on-demand cost. Um, and you can identify places to use reserved instances where you've got a workload that runs you know, all the time, uh, or potentially where there's at least a component of the infrastructure that's running all the time. Uh, and so you can say, hey, Amazon, I'm going to leave this server on. I'm going to keep running it for you know, one or three years. Uh, and if you could give me a fantastic discount, that'd be great. And the other benefit that comes with reserved instances, which is now optional, is a capacity reservation as well. Right? So if you're looking for a capacity reservation where you can know Amazon's made a commitment that when I go to turn on this server, it's going to be there. Reserved instance may be right for you. And then finally, obviously, spot instances, near and dear to my heart. Uh, spot instances are fantastic for fault-tolerant, uh, time-sensitive, or even time-insensitive workloads. Um, and obviously, that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. So what is spot? Spot's spare EC2 capacity. That's really what it is. There's no minimum. There's no maximum. It's just our unused on-demand capacity but it's important to understand, and I'm sorry it's a little bit pixelated, that yes, it's spare, but don't think of it as some small amount of infrastructure you know, that might be sort of unused in your data center or unused in your co-location facility. It's a huge amount of unused infrastructure. There's really a fantastic amount of unused, inf um, unused EC2 instances for you to leverage. Um, and I want to talk about one example uh, in particular here. Earlier this year, um, Clemson University came to us. They wanted to run a massive scale natural learning processing uh, grid cluster in the cloud. Right? They needed to get to over half a million vCPUs for this analysis to be worthwhile. And they came to us and they said, do you think we can do it? You know, we might need to use multiple regions. We know we're going to have to use multiple instance types, but can we do it? Um, without asking me, 
uh, our head of scientific computing said, what about a million? Oh, God, okay, that's a lot, isn't it? Clemson was able to do it in a single region using Spotfleet. They got to over 1.1 million vCPUs uh, in the US East One region. Um, and you can see in a decent bit of detail here the process of scaling up. And then obviously, and also the distribution of capacity when they reached peak, which is that pie chart over there. And we'll talk a lot about this idea of using multiple instance types and how it enables you to not only achieve tremendous scale, but be resilient to failure and also get a really good price. Another way to think about uh, our spare capacity is actually to talk about a statistic we released last year. Um, last year, we spoke about the fact that on average, in every week, there was the same amount of spot used as there was in 2012, all of EC2. So the average week in 2016, there was more spot consumed than the average week in 2012 for all of EC2. That's what's being used. There's a lot more still being unused for you guys to capitalize on. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here because it would all be used up and we wouldn't need to tell anyone how to use more of it. So for those of you who have somehow managed to consume all of the launches over the last 24 hours, you're probably well aware that we made a few significant announcements uh, and launches around spot instances. We'll jump straight into them so we can uh, get back to the presentation, huh? So the first and probably the most significant thing we launched over the last 24 hours is a brand new pricing model for spot instances. Spot instances allow, uh, the new pricing model was designed to deliver low predictable prices to customers. The idea here is we still use supply and demand to determine prices, but instead of looking at the capacity right now uh, and allowing the price to fluctuate potentially quite significantly and dramatically in a short period of time, we're now looking at supply and demand of capacity over a longer period of time, which allows you to launch an instance and know with a good deal of confidence what you're gonna pay for the next six, 12, or 24 hours. And the other thing we're gonna do is you're no longer gonna see the price move rapidly up. When it does change, it's gonna change sort of in relatively small increments. You know, you could expect it to go up and down, you know, plus minus 10% throughout a daily period. Uh, and the, the whole aim here is to deliver low, predictable prices. As part of that new pricing model, we also eliminated the necessity to bid. And this is quite material. You know, it's a, it's a really big change um, because the bid was something that customers would often focus on uh, a lot and you'd wonder, ooh, what's the right bid price? You know, is, am I bidding too high, am I bidding too low, and what impact does my availability um, and the price that I pay uh, sort of come into to thinking about my bid price? And you'd have uh, users and customers that would either get so intimidated by that that they just wouldn't try spot, or you'd have the opposite where this actually happened once. Uh, there was a PhD from MIT that spent three months trying to develop the perfect bidding strategy. Um, Fair enough, we want to get our capacity, we want to get it cheap, and we want to stay available, makes sense. Um, unfortunately, uh, one of our PhDs met them and said, oh, entirely incorrect assumptions, you've wasted three months. Um, and so what we found, the reality was, the vast majority of the time, just bidding the on-demand price is the right place to be. You know, let's face it, nobody wants to pay more than on-demand for spot instances, because why would you, you might as well just run on-demand. Um, but the bid price almost had no impact on what you paid because you pay the market rate. And so we've removed the necessity to bid. You can still, and you know, a great example might be, I never wanna pay more than just 50% of the on-demand price. Uh, and that's the cool thing about Spotrite. It's always been able to enable workloads that are otherwise potentially cost prohibitive. 
So you can still do it. You can still say, hey, I never want to pay more than 50%. Here's my bid. If the price goes above it, interrupt me. But for the, for the vast majority of customers, just don't worry about it anymore. Just request capacity, and if it's available, we're going to give it to you. Third announcement we made in the last 24 hours related to Spot is that we've now integrated Spot into Run Instances. For those of you who aren't aware, Run Instances is how you launch on-demand instances. Okay, so now if you're using on-demand and you just want to get started with Spot today, you can add a single additional parameter, and now you're launching Spot Instances. It's as simple as that. A couple of cool things about this. Well, let's say three cool things about this. First, um, you're going to get features as quickly as on-demand customers. A great example, uh, Spot now supports tag on create. You just need to use run instances, um, and you get that inherently out of the box. So that's really cool. We're going to keep up to date uh, with what on-demand delivers. It's going to be far more available, far, far more quickly available for you. Um, and then the final point is, uh, by using run instances, we actually uh, will give you a synchronous response. And if there's capacity available, we'll give you an instance ID back immediately. So you'll know, am I going to get capacity? And if I am, here's the instance ID. And if I'm not, maybe there's something else you want to do. Maybe you launch on demand. Maybe you try a different spot instance. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and certainly something, if you haven't used spot before, you can get started. Oh, I'll make one more point. Every now and then, there's a third party provider that you might be using uh, that actually launches the instances on your behalf. And maybe they hadn't yet invested the time and effort to support spot. Well, now it's there. It's integrated into the API they use to launch on-demand instances for you. And then finally, uh, the fourth thing we announced in the last 24 hours, which is an industry first, is the ability to actually hibernate your spot instance. So you can now say when you launch your instance, instead of terminating me, I want you to hibernate me. And what that means is, when we need to reclaim that capacity to give it back to on-demand, we're actually going to flush your in-memory state to disk, and then when there's capacity available again, It'll just turn back on, just like opening and closing your laptop. Uh, so you can start using that today. It's available via run instances, spot fleet, and request spot instances. Um, and just in case all of these announcements are brand new to you, and you're a spot user, and you're wondering, does this have any impact on my current running system? Do I need to run out and check that I'm still getting my spot capacity? All of it's perfectly backwards compatible. Okay? You don't need to make any changes to how you've been using spot if you don't want to, but you can leverage these pieces of functionality if you'd like. So we've made some changes. Uh, we used to talk about the rules of Spot. And the rules actually haven't changed a great deal despite these changes. Mark, the old rules used to be that markets change uh, based on supply and demand, and that you'll never pay more than your bid. And when the market price exceeds your bid, you get two minutes to wrap up your work. With the new rules, the price changes infrequently, still based on supply and demand, and now you can just request capacity. You don't need a bid. You still can, as I said, um, but you can just request capacity. And when we need it back, we'll still just give you that two-minute warning, uh, and we'll return that capacity for on-demand customers. So when it comes to using Spot, we need to talk about capacity. As I said, Spot's unused capacity. And so understanding how capacity is made available to you is actually really important in understanding the best way to use Spot. And so we'll use the, the Seoul region as an example in South Korea. Uh, everybody knows, hopefully, what an availability zone is. It's a data center or clusters of data centers that are geographically redundant from one another. Um, you know, they're on different fire paths, floodplains, power providers. So most people are going to work out the spare capacity in one AZ could not be the same as the spare capacity in another AZ. 
They're physically separate from one another, right? Good. We can work that one out quickly. The next one is that every different instance normally has a slightly different uh, Intel chipset or potentially a whole different generation of Intel chipset. Um, or you might, as an example, know that C4 and M4 have different CPU to memory ratios. So we can't share capacity across those either. The one that's a little bit less obvious, but also incredibly powerful when you start using spot instances, is that every size is a completely independent spot price and capacity pool as well. So while we do run out of spot instances every day, somewhere in the world, what's really happening is you know, the R3, two extra large, and availability zone B in the uh, sole region, there's no capacity left. But that doesn't mean that R3, four extra large in that zone is unavailable, or maybe the other availability zone has capacity. And the ability to harness the fact that there are all of these different capacity pools is key to being able to use spot for production workloads, right? The good news is we've built the tools to automate this process for you, so you don't need to manage too much of the complexity yourself. But being able to come to Spot and say, what are the different options for me? What are the different instances that I can use is really, really important. And as I say, key to being able to use Spot consistently. If you just want to play, launch an instance, and it you know, doesn't matter if it goes away, you don't need to worry about this. But when it comes to running in production, we must consider how to harness these different capacity pools. So, why is that so important and why does it matter for Spot? Well, a very simple example, right? In the Oregon region, the R4 uh, instance, uh, we've got, well, we've actually got six different sizes, but we'll keep it here to just five for simplicity. Um, it'll often be a case where a customer might come to me and say, hey, I use the R4, four extra large, and that's the only instance that works for me. I can't possibly use any other instance. And you go, well, the R4, eight extra large is cheaper. It's got double the CPU, double the memory, double the network, and it's cheaper. Surely you could give it a try. Your application is very unlikely to break if I give you too much capacity, right? So you sort of the logic that goes through the process of selecting the best instance for on-demand and reserved instance somewhat needs to be thrown out the window when it comes to using Spot, because why not opportunistically make use of the bigger instance that's cheaper uh, when you can? So, Reiterating this, right, every instance family, every instance size, in every availability zone, in every region around the world is a completely independent spot pool. I'm gonna use the term spot pool and capacity pool interchangeably here. They mean the same thing. They're completely independent capacity pools. So why am I telling you this? It's because spot, uh, when using spot, flexibility is king. And most people would think when it comes to using Spot, I need to be patient. You know, I need to be able to say, well, if there's no capacity, I can just wait, or I'll go launch on demand. That is one approach, and it's a completely legitimate one. It's time flexibility. You can do that. But it's not the only approach. You can choose to be instance flexible, time flexible, or region flexible. So for instance, we'll bash through this because I think we've already uh, understood this point, hopefully. But each of these options uh, enables you to be instance flexible, right? Instance size, instance family, or availability zone. You don't need to be all three, but I highly recommend attempting to be two of them. And I'll give you a couple of examples later on in this presentation about how to think about approaching these different factors uh, when it comes to your specific application. Um, time flexibility. Hibernate has made this so easy now, right? 
You used to have to be time flexible and be able to deal with the fact that the instance might be taken away, you might lose the state, you might lose where you're up to, you might need to work out how to restart the job. Now, just turn on Hibernate. And when there's no more capacity, go grab a coffee, play a mobile game, maybe watch soccer, which a lot of my teammates seem to do when they should be working, um, or you know, work on something else. It's as simple as that. Turn on Hibernate, and if you're time flexible, there's really nothing else you need to focus on. Just turn it on, and we'll take care of the rest. And then region flexibility. To be perfectly honest with, with everybody here, region flexibility is one of the hardest things to do when it comes to running an application on spot, because you've got to think about, well, do I move my data? Is it cost effective to move my data? Is my database there? Is my application actually going to work in a new region? So focus on the first two. But if those don't work for you or they can't work for you, then have a think about region flexibility. These could already be out of date. <laughs> but you know, there's 16 regions, 44 availability zones, um, and six more regions and 17 new availability zones announced. So as your third strategy, if you can't be instance flexible or time flexible, can you be region flexible? So thinking about the nature of an application that can run on spot, what are sort of the common requirements and, and how to profile your own application to use spot effectively? Well, I think you've already worked out this first step, right? Work out, is it time sensitive or not? Right. Do you need the job finished now, and do I need to work out a way to always ensure I get capacity? That's fine. You can still run that on spot and do it in an effective manner. And there's many customers that are doing things like running web services, API tiers, um, production big data. You know, the ad tech industry has been using spot for many, many years to deliver their real-time bidding and anal analytics engines. Uh, so big data could be asynchronous batch, and maybe it is time insensitive but it also could be time sensitive, and you may need to think about how we can be instance flexible to handle that. Production grid computing, production sequencing, these are all like examples of things that could be time sensitive, but still want to get the economics of spot. Or insensitive, time insensitive jobs, right? Experiments, development and test, uh, you know, one-time queries, ad hoc processing. What about that PhD that has that crazy idea that uh, nobody knows the ROI? We have no idea if it's gonna work or not, but if we can get it for super cheap, we can be patient, we can wait. Um, and the, uh, the example I shared with Clemson was a fantastic example of that. They needed to do a huge amount of compute, but they had a couple of months before the paper was due and they wanted to actually uh, finish all of this work. So they were able to just wait patiently and find the right time for them to turn the capacity on and scale up. As it turned out, they could just do it on any weekend. So, once you've profiled your application, you've decided, no, this application is time sensitive. What does it need to be to be spot? Because obviously being time sensitive isn't enough. You know, that's the nature of a very many large number of applications. So what does a time sensitive application need to be able to do to use spot effectively? Well, it's got to be stateless, or it should be something along the lines of stateless. At the very least, it needs to be fault tolerant. If it can be multi-AZ, even better. Uh, and certainly you want it to be loosely coupled. You don't want a single node dying to crash the entire application because instances are going to be taken away from time to time when you use spot. But hopefully when you look at this list, it's not daunting. In fact, hopefully when you look at this list, you recognize these are just software and cloud best practices. You know, the vast majority of the time, you're going to be hoping to be these things so that you can deliver an always available scaling and cost-effective application. If you're not these things, you almost certainly have a plan to do it. So what do I ask you to do for Spot? I think we could all guess, instance flexible.
So I've talked a lot about the fact to be instance flexible, you've got to have uh, be using multiple capacity pools. Um, and then people will say, well, how do I think about how many capacity pools I need to use before I can be running my application in production leveraging spot? Well, you take these three things, you times them together, and you get your total number of capacity pools. And there's no magic number here, right? I can't tell you 10 is the perfect number because it does depend on what you care about and how your application actually works. But it really should be somewhere in this ballpark, right? If you're, only, if you're using less than four instances, uh, less than four different options, um, there's a chance that you'll lose a huge amount of your capacity at once, right? If you're only using two different instances and we have to take one of those capacity pools back, you might lose 50% of your cluster at once. But the same thing happens when you go too far the other way. When, you, when you're using 50 different instance pools, well, you're now exposed to 50 different ways in which we might have to take capacity back from you. So it's sort of a, a bit of a balancing act, but anywhere in this category is fantastic. And I will say there are many companies, in fact, uh, If This Then That, who I presented with last year, used 48 capacity pools to run their web tiers and API tiers. And that's because they're using containers, they can deploy incredibly rapidly, so the economic impact of an interruption for them is practically zero. And so for them, they went far off the scale um, and ran 48 different capacity pools. They break a lot of the rules, in fact. Um, we say, please don't run your databases on spot. It's a horrible idea. They do run some of their databases on spot. So don't take them as an example, but it does work, uh, and they're able to achieve it. So we've worked out how many capacity pools we can use. You know, there's, let's say, 10 different instances that I can work with, but it's pretty complex to be constantly aware of the prices, the availability, balancing between these different options. If you want to manage that all, of your, all yourself, you're probably going to have to be looking at potentially months of development time. Don't do that. Please don't do that. We built it for you. It's called SpotFleet. SpotFleet allows you to launch thousands of instances with a single request. It can be used to automatically diversify or automatically find the lowest cost pools. And the other cool thing, I mentioned earlier the fact that you want to potentially look at different sizes of instances. Well, if I put a large and an eight extra large in the same spot fleet, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to treat them as the same. They're very different instances with very different performance characteristics, and potentially, where I might run one container on a large, I might run 16 containers on an eight extra large. And so what spot fleet actually enables you to do is apply a custom score or a weight to each different instance. And so that you can then actually scale on that custom weight so you might say, each instance is equal to the number of vCPUs on the box. Now, Fleet, go get me 1,000 uh, vCPUs. Or you might say, well, a large is worth one container, an extra large is worth two containers, go get me 50 containers, right? SpotFleet enables you to do that, and it actually enables you to, if you want to, control your costs based on that score as well. Uh, and so you, if you are a customer that has the ability to leverage different sized instances efficiently, you can just put that information into Fleet, and then let Fleet do the work. Find the cheapest, diversify across multiple instances, whatever you'd like. I will say this. When you're running in production, I highly recommend using the diversified option. And we'll talk about why later. But yes, you can find the lowest cost, and that's great for things like CI-CD pipelines or something where it doesn't matter if you potentially lose all of your capacity at once. But think about it. If you select lowest cost, Fleet's going to find the cheapest and put all your eggs in one basket. And then if that basket happens to get shaken up, you might lose all of your instances at once. 
Uh, so seriously consider if you're running production workloads to use the diversified option with SpotFleet. One other point. SpotFleet is a tool that does this for you, and it's fantastic and it's free. But at the end of the day, all I care about is that you're in some way being diversified and instance flexible. Right? It doesn't need to be SpotFleet. If you want to build it yourself, that's fine. If you want to use a different tool that's available, that's fine as well. Just make sure if you want to run in production, you have the ability to automatically handle instances being terminated and the fact that prices can fluctuate. Even though now they fluctuate far slower and far less frequently, it's still really valuable to be able to handle that without somebody having to wake up at 3 a.m. and go, oh, what's cheapest now? What's available? And then wake up again at 5 a.m. potentially. No, it doesn't happen that often. But you know, that's very important to have that automation in place so that you can sleep comfortably. You know, again, if this, then that, on stage last year, uh, was looking at his phone and he had to explain himself, it's because he was trying to work out how many times do I actually get interrupted? They have no idea. The containerized platform automatically deploys containers when instances are terminated. Um, and what Mapbox, who was up here with me as well, said is that they get interrupted about once or twice a month, right? So it's very important. Don't confuse the fact that you must be prepared for interruptions with this idea that it's going to happen all the time. We have a lot of unused capacity, um, and the vast majority of times, customers terminate their own instances. Uh, if you don't terminate the, your own instances, they'll often live for days, weeks, and sometimes months, okay? So please, don't confuse the fact you must be prepared for interruption with an idea that it's going to happen all the time. It just doesn't. Um, I just want to point out this tool. Uh, when you're getting started with Spot, it's a really easy way to start playing. Because what you can do is you can show up here, you can put in the specifications that your application would ideally run on, and tell us at a high level what type of application you run. And then we'll automatically generate a Spot fleet based on historical prices uh, that best suits your application and your needs. So, so I mentioned the fact that most people are already thinking about how to be stateless, multi-AZ, fault-tolerant, um, loosely coupled. And Yelp is a really fantastic example of that. You know, Yelp was building an internal system called Seagull for continuous delivery, continuous uh, testing, um, and just continuous task execution, to be perfectly honest. Um, and they were doing that using reserved instances and on-demand instances um, because they wanted to be able to deliver a platform internally to their users that enabled the users to, to not have to think about and worry about infrastructure. So they automated all of that. And then sometime sort of in mid to late 2015, they realized, wait, we built the perfect application to use Spot. And that's actually what you see there when they moved from reserved instances to Spot instances and saved about 55%. Incredibly, they worked that out and did that before they even started scaling. And that's the next saving that you see as they actually start turning on auto-scaling um, and dynamically respond to their customers' needs internally uh, and saved even more money. So it, this is sort of a great example of where you're very likely already moving toward an architecture and a setup where you are fault-tolerant, you are stateless, and you can handle this. Um, so have a look at Spot. OK, what about time-insensitive? This is pretty simple. As I said, just use Hibernate. Hibernate's supported for Amazon Linux, Ubuntu, and Windows. Um, and these six instances, C3, C4, M4, R3, and R4. 
It's available now. You can get started and start playing with it. As I say, when you launch the instance, you just say hibernate me instead of terminating me. And we'll take care of the complexity of flushing the memory to disk um, and then starting the instance back up again when the capacity becomes available. It really is that simple. So if you're a user that, as an example, uh, doesn't have checkpointing, and so you've never been able to adopt Spot because you might have a job that runs for 36 hours, and you, you, know, you just really hate the idea of what happens if I'm interrupted 35 hours into my 36-hour job, fair enough. It's been really hard to use Spot in that scenario. Because while, yes, most of the time the instance is going to live for that long, it's really expensive if it happens to die in the 35th hour. Well, now you can just turn on Hibernate. And so a really classic example of this is your traditional high-performance computing clusters, where you might have MPI, um, and maybe you're relying on a third party, so you can't even do checkpointing if you wanted to, because they don't offer it. Now you can actually start thinking about running that on spot without having to re-architect, without having to think about a lot of this complexity. All you need to be able to do is wait a little while if we need to hibernate you for a while. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, Caltech, uh, Goodman Lab at Caltech has been using Spot for a long time. Um, so I won't say they're, they're a Hibernate user yet, although they've absolutely already started trialing it because they've been running their high throughput computing clusters on Spot for many years now. And they've been enjoying, you know, the material benefits, the ability to scale to thousands of instances on a university budget, which, you know, let's face it, it's not the same as a lot of business budgets. Um, but there have been clusters like their high-performance computing clusters where they haven't been able to run on spot. Um, and, you know, they've had to be using infrastructure on-premise or, or potentially just waiting, so that putting their jobs in a queue. Now they can start using spot and turning on Hibernate. So if you have those workloads, please give it a try. Turn it on, play with it. Um, those instances that we listed, they're some of the most common instances that customers use, so hopefully you're not particularly limited. And I will say that's what's supported today. We're by no means stopped. Uh, we're by no means uh, given up. We haven't stopped. There's a lot more work to come and a lot more instances that we plan to support and, of course, more operating systems. So let's talk about some tools and practical examples. Well, we're going to talk about two in particular. So I wanted to start by saying those two are not an exclusive, uh, exhaustive list of ways that you can run spot instances. Uh, ways that you can run workloads. What we have here is some of the most common uh, services, some of the most common applications uh, from both AWS and some partners that customers use to run spot instances. So whether you're using auto-scaling groups, they support spot. If you're running uh, Kubernetes, Kubernetes works with spot fleet today. Um, many different examples there, I suppose, is, is the key point here, right? There's lots of different ways that you can use spot. We're going to focus today on containers and big data analytics, um, but please don't think of that as an exhaustive list. Hopefully, by the way, we've gone through characterizing applications. You realize there may be many more that you guys are running today that you could absolutely move to spot without a great deal of effort. So containers. Why are containers so great for spot? Well, they're often stateless. They're often fault tolerant, and they're often instance flexible. In fact, if they're not instance flexible, I've got to ask, what are you doing? The whole point of a container is that you define, your, you define the specifications that the container needs, and then you can put it anywhere, on any instance, any cloud, any infrastructure. That's the whole point. Um, and so they're often stateless and often fault tolerant, not necessarily because of any sort of innate nature of containers, but really just because most people have only started using them in the last four years. And people are often re-architecting their application 
to follow software and cloud best practices, and that's what makes containers great for Spot. So you might be running your own microservices or stateless systems and not using containers, and you still fall into this category. It's just a really, it's an example, uh, as I say, it's certainly not exhaustive. So I wanna walk you through how I would recommend considering running your containerized workload using ECS and Spot Fleet together. First and foremost, uh, earlier on this year, we actually integrated Spot Fleet and ECS together. So from the console or from CloudFormation, it's really easy to automatically spin up your ECS cluster and have it leverage Spot instances. Um, as you see here, you just go to the console and you click Spot. Um, but let's say we're running behind a load balancer, right? We're running a web tier or an API tier using containers. And while the load balancer can handle heterogeneous instances, it's not a great idea to put a 16 extra large and a large behind the same load balancer because you might blast one of the instances or underutilize the 16 extra large if the load balancer can't be quite efficient enough, right? So you might say, well, the instance I really want to use is a C4 large. That's the perfect instance for me. Well, if you can use the C4 large, you can use the R4 large. It's got the same number of vCPUs. It's just got 4x the memory. Who cares if I give you 4x the memory if it's still a 75, 80% discount? M3 large, same deal. It's got twice the memory, same number of vCPUs. The M3 large has slightly older chipset. But again, if we're going to save you know, 75, 80, 90%, hopefully you're willing to take a small hit on the CPU performance. And the reality is, the vast majority of the time, the application's not even going to know the difference. Unless you're intentionally optimizing for a specific Intel chipset, it's very unlikely that your application is going to perform wildly different based on a one generational change. Then C3 large, same deal, and M4 large. Um, but we're running a, an, a web or API tier behind a load balancer, so hopefully we're using multiple availability zones, right? right? Hopefully we're using multiple availability zones so that we can handle uh, any failures that were going to occur in one or the other. Um, and the load balancer is going to automatically handle trafficking, uh, routing traffic to these different availability zones. So we have five different instances from different families and two different availability zones that we're using here. So let's come back. What do we say? How do we work out how many capacity pools we're using? Well, we times instance sizes by instance families by availability zones, and that gets us our capacity pools. So we only have one size, but we have five different families and two availability zones. So hopefully everyone can do it in their head. We have 10 spot pools, 10 different capacity pools uh, that we're able to use for this ECS cluster. Um, here's an example, by the way. So you can use the console. As I said, you can also use CloudFormation if you want to fully automate this and not have to come into the console. Uh, that's also supported, and we have some uh, templates for you to use and just mi make minor edits to sit, fit your specific environment to get started really quickly. The other thing we're going to do here is we're going to install a very simple script that's going to listen for the two-minute warning. And when I receive the two-minute warning, I'm going to automatically detach myself from the ECS master. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going away. Stop scheduling containers on me. And in fact, the containers that are currently scheduled on me, schedule them somewhere else. And ECS is going to handle that. As a user, you don't need to worry about it. You have this script running. It listens for the two-minute warning. And then as soon as it hears that two-minute warning, it does all of the work for you. And then Spot Fleet says, oh, we lost some instances. Let's automatically replace them somewhere else. So what does that really look like in action? How does that look 
over a month-long period as an example when you're using Spot. Well, here's a real example using real data in the Frankfurt region. We picked five different instances, the largest, and we picked two availability zones, ending up with 10 independent capacity pools. The orange line in this graph shows the capacity uh, over that month-long period, and the blue line shows the price that we paid per node over that month-long period as well. And so you can see we've used some different instances, and the price has fluctuated. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to use uh, a graph from the most recent price model change because that only came out yesterday. Um, I didn't want to... I hope nobody feels like I'm trying to trick you here. Still very similar principles. Um, and so in this scenario, we requested 50 instances. And so what you can see, when that orange line dips, it dips by five instances. That makes sense, right? We have 10 different capacity pools. One of the capacity pools needed to be interrupted. And so we only lost 10% of our capacity, one-tenth. And then Fleet recognized that we'd lost a tenth of our capacity and immediately replaced it for us. Uh, and so that happened you know, four times over a month. And as I say, this is very realistic. So yes, you must be prepared for interruption. No, it doesn't happen all the time. And even though we used some instances that were slightly larger, uh, well, had extra memory, let's say, than we needed, we were, able to pay, uh, we were able to pay just two cents per node, which is about one cent per vCPU. Uh, so that's about an 83% discount over the price of running the C4 large on demand. Right? So even though we used these instances that had extra memory, we still achieved an 83% discount over running our one ideal instance on demand. That's why it's so easy and valuable to be able to use multiple different instances uh, on spot. I already mentioned Mapbox. They're a really awesome example. I think uh, they say that about 98% of all of their compute runs on spot. They run their web tiers, their API tiers, and their batch processing on spot instances, and they use ECS to handle all of the uh, you know, scheduling of containers, the handling of uh, interruptions. Uh, it's all there. And what they do is they map uh, the traffic patterns you know, very regularly. Um, and if you're using a sort of social application, there's a very good chance. Mapbox is the one that's overlaying a lot of the information um, on your web page. Uh, Airbnb is a great example. If you've ever seen a map there, Mapbox powers those maps uh, on their behalf. A very quick view of their architecture, how they actually run their spot instances. And here's the transition that you can see. I'm going to... I won't try and use the pointer because I might break it. But hopefully you can see on the left-hand side we have two graphs. Um, the top shows the uh, compute that they've consumed over the last two years. And obviously you can see you know, up and up and up. The bottom shows the cost of that compute in total over that same period. And so while they've drastically increased their compute usage, their costs for that compute has remained consistent as they're able to identify, hey, we're using containers so we can run on spot, so we can get 98% of our compute on spot, so we're able to do you know, 10 times more while paying the same price. So what about big data? Well, big data is a little bit different than uh, a containerized web or API tier, because big data often, often has big data. There's a decent amount of data that goes in and out of these systems. But what are some of the common characteristics of a big data cluster? Well, often it's capable of being accelerated. So where, let's say you're running in a data center on-premise, you might have 100 nodes, and it takes you the weekend to complete your big data job. 
well, what about if we can give you a thousand nodes and get it done 10 times quicker? Because we know the price for an instance, uh, whether you do a thousand or a hundred, so a hundred for 10 hours or a thousand for one, it's going to be the same price. So big data often able, capable of being accelerated. It's often fault tolerant, right? Uh, often because these clusters can run at such huge scale. And Hadoop is a great example. It was designed to run on commodity hardware and potentially different hardware inside a data center. So it was always designed to be able to deal with a hardware failure. Or it had to be able to deal with somebody actually coming and preempting you because we had another workload that we needed to run on that cluster. So it was designed from, from almost the beginning to be fault tolerant. Um, and of course, because of things like Yarn, and increasingly we're seeing customers using containers to run big data systems as well, or, or Mesos to do efficient resource scheduling as an example, often these things are also very instance flexible. Great, so it sounds like a good use case for Spot. So should I run my entire Hadoop cluster on Spot? No, please don't. When you think about a common cluster, you might have master, your core or your data nodes, and then your task or your task tracker nodes that actually do the processing. And this is actually something that EMR did many, many years ago. They said, well, the master node's always separate, almost always has been. But the core nodes and the task nodes used to be co-located on the same box. And if you're running that on your, in your data center on-premise, it makes a lot of sense. You don't want to pay for the network fees or the, the extra network you'd need to communicate from your task nodes to your core nodes. But it's got a painful sort of issue there, which is core nodes scale up really well, but they don't scale down so well. Every time you want to scale down, you've got to pause everything, reshuffle the data. Um, so not ideal. So what EMR did is say, well, we're in the Elastic Cloud. We can't have a static cluster. We can't only scale up. That's not efficient. So they made that what already exists as a logical separation into a physical separation. Now we run data nodes and we run task nodes. But still, please don't run your master node on spot. It's a horrible idea. If that goes down, the cluster goes down. And also, probably don't run your core nodes on spot either, right? Because if they go down, again, we're going to have to pause everything and reshuffle our data. Um, one option here is, particularly if you're using EMR, you can actually put the data straight into S3, use EMRFS, and just get rid of the core nodes entirely. That's a really good option. But the task node is the opportunity. Um, you could potentially be uh, time flexible, and you may choose, as an example, uh, to allow the cluster to die and, and just wait for the capacity to come back. Um, but again, we're talking about a production workload. Let's say we're talking about needing to deliver ads on the fly, a revenue generating service. If we're not delivering ads, we're not earning money. So we're going to say that we're time sensitive, which means we need to be instance flexible. But we're going to be instance flexible in a different way to containers. Uh, earlier this year, EMR announced uh, EMR instance fleets. Instance fleets follow very same characteristics as a spot fleet, which is it takes care of the complexity of using multiple different instances in a single cluster. And so that's what we can see here. Um, as I mentioned, Yarn often can handle the complexity of using different size instances with some very small modifications to how you sort of boot up uh, and launch your task nodes. And so what we're doing here is really simple. We're saying, well, hey, we're going to use the C3 extra large which means we can also use the C3 8 extra large and the C4 4 extra large and the C4 8 extra large. So we have four different instances that work for me, but I can only use a single availability zone. And why is that? Well, because there's a lot of data, 
I don't want to transfer it across availability zones. It's going to incur some potential latencies, some costs. So we're going to run it all in a single availability zone. Okay. So what does that mean we have when we come back to our capacity pools? Are we hitting what we need to hit? Well, we have two different instance sizes, two different instance families, and a single availability zone. So we have four capacity pools. So yes, we're falling into the category of being able to run spot in production using, uh, sorry, run production workloads using spot. And I want to show another example here of what this looks like in action. Um, this was run in the uh, Oregon region uh, using four different instance types, again, over a month-long period. And here we actually present the uh, costs as a per vCPU charge, because often that's how you're going to think about the processing power of your Hadoop cluster uh, when you're using different instance sizes. You know, no longer are they all sort of uniform. We absolutely expect the eight extra larges to do twice as much as work as the four extra larges. Um, and so over this month-long period, the, the orange line represents uh, the capacity that we had. As you see, we run for about 15 days without a single interruption. Again, you must be prepared, but don't confuse the need to be prepared for this idea that it's going to happen every 20 minutes. It just doesn't. Uh, but then we do incur some uh, interruptions over the next 15 days. Um, but every time, we're only losing a small percentage of our cluster. Uh, and again, we're going to automatically recover this. Now, if you were losing a node every 20 minutes, your jobs might never finish. right? It, it wouldn't work particularly well if we were being interrupted every 20 minutes. But that just isn't the case. Uh, and so that's why so many companies have been able to move material and production workloads when they're running big data in Hadoop using EMR, or even not using EMR. You know, I showed a, a couple of partners on the slide previously. Uh, it doesn't need to be EMR, but it is a fantastic way to do it. And they did launch some really strong support for Spot earlier this year to, to handle all of the complexity for you. Uh, and so in this time, we, uh, we were interrupted, but we never dropped below 848 vCPUs. Uh, and on average, over that period, we had 1,005 vCPUs. If you look it out, we had every now and then we had a little bit extra because the instance count when we asked for 1,000 vCPUs. Um, and again, even though we used some different instances uh, and some older instances in the C3, the average price we paid was just over one cent per vCPU and 81% savings. So hopefully, if you're going to get an 81% savings, you're willing to use a little bit older core. Again probably not even going to make a material difference to the performance of your application. And I just wanted to finish on one more customer example here. You know, FINRA was a great, uh, has been a, a great presenter. You can uh, watch a lot of their presentations from reInvent on YouTube if they're not presenting again this year. Uh, but you can see the vast majority of their usage is on Hadoop and Spark, 93% uh, of all of their EC2 usage. And what FINRA says is the vast majority of that cluster actually runs on spot all of the time. Um, and when they're doing that, they're able to save you know, 80 plus percent on the cost that it would otherwise cost running on demand. Uh, and so this is an example of, of an organization that's been able to use spot successfully for many years. You can trace this back for about three years. Uh, they've been presenting every year at reInvent uh, about how they make use of EMR and how uh, spot helps augment and power a lot of that. Uh, and so with that, I'll wrap up. Uh, I hope you've learned something uh, about how to use Spot in production. Uh, if you haven't, please come up and complain to me. Um, I will hang around at the side at the end for some questions. So again, if you've got any specific questions, I know we had a lot of announcements. Um, please do go and read the blog from Jeff Barr. 
uh, please do go check out our frequently asked questions. We've updated all of them uh, in response to the pretty material changes that we've made. Um, and obviously, the documentation has been updated as well. Um, so thank you all for your time. And I really appreciate you hanging around so late in the day. And fill out the feedback forms, please. It helps us uh, determine what we do every year.